And it was like trying to break these habits that you learn in regular restaurants, right? So like the flare up in the pan, right? If you did that with, and at the restaurant I used to work at, you had to throw, throw away the whole set. But then I remember having a flare up and Schwab's like, no, no, you want that. That's the flavor. And so you, it's almost like to rethink how you cook. And I am so grateful to learn that from Schwai. You know, I wouldn't have been able to do that, you know, obviously in Midland, North Carolina. So I'm just super, super grateful for that. Barbecue's our passion, and that's just what you'll get. Where the Ken Burns is a barbecue where tales from the pits. Hey, Brian. Hey, Andrew. Let's talk about our sponsor for this episode. Absolutely. We're so happy to have Zavala's Barbecue Distribution on board with us because we went out and saw the building, saw the place, saw what they're doing, and really loved this concept. Yeah, I mean, it's great. We travel all over Texas. Not everyone has the opportunity to do so. This is bringing bits of Texas and beyond straight to your door. You can do this in real person and go see the actual store, browse and touch and feel, or you can go online. Just go to bbqdistro.com forward slash tales. Yeah, that's going to be your one-stop shop for everything of the best of Texas barbecue, all the best rubs, all the best sauces. He's got one of our favorites, Fijis Barbecue Rubs and Sauces, in store right now. Yeah, and you know, Fijis has one of my favorite ones, which is his, his Gojujang Barbecue Sauce. Really unique. Those types of things are what you can get through here. You can also get other ones as well. Yes, uh, one of our favorites, John Brotherton, his line of burnt end sauces, um, which, which you might find in your local Bucky's, but now you can also get them straight online from bbqdistro.com slash tails. Another one, Panther City. Those guys too as well. A, a top 10 Texas monthly barbecue joint. So Zavala's Barbecue Distribution has the best of the best delivered straight to your door. You can order it online or like you said, go to Grand Prairie right behind Moss Coffee Co. And you can get pickled items, rubs, sauces from the best in Texas. And more and more is coming. So, More is coming. So, so make sure you follow Zavala's Barbecue Distribution on Instagram. It's Zavala's, spelled out, Barbecue Distribution. Or go online. BBQDistro.com slash tails. That's going to get you in this again. This will be in the show notes. So guys, give it a click. Check it out. Start getting those rubs. Start getting those sauces. They do sell out. They replenish them as they go along. But if you see your, your favorite joint has got a rub or a sauce that you want to try, get it in your cart and get it delivered straight to your door and i even like the zavala's fajita rub i really love that put it on everything i put it on eggs i put it on fajitas i put it on chicken um, so there's a it's a lot of ways to get out there and just have a lot of variety a lot of fun yeah guys so be on the lookout for more updates from them but again that's zavala's barbecue distribution and you can find them at bbqdistro.com forward slash tails so first off, we'll introduce ourselves. We are Tales from the Pits. I am Brian. I am Andrew. And we are at the Charleston Wine and Food Festival recording live in basically gale force winds. So <laughs> there's a lot of noise here, but there's also a lot of people having a great time. At, it, it's at festival ambiance, yes. um, but we are here with some very special guests, and we'll start and work our way around the couch. Introduce yourselves. My name is Corey Wong. I am the co-owner of Jackrabbit Philly and soon-to-be-released King Barbecue. Uh, I am Shui Wong. Uh, I, am, I work for Corey. Uh, I am also the chef at uh, King, ba uh, King Barbecue and uh, Jack Harvard Philly. Yeah. Uh, and I'm Brandon Olson. Uh, I was the opening sous chef for Jack Rabbit Philly, and I will be the CDC at the up-and-coming King Barbecue. It's a, lot of, it's a lot of really good mix of both your culture, your history, and now, Lex uh, now barbecue for Charleston as well. 
Let's start, kind of go back to, especially Schwa, your background and your influences. Um, so, uh, I was born in Beijing, uh, and I, uh, my family and I immigrated to the States uh, back in 96 uh, to Queens. Uh, so, I pretty much was raised in Queens, uh, New York. Um, and, uh, you know, I always say that all my food from Jackrabbit Philly and throughout my career has been influenced by my mom and my grandma. Just uh, food that I grew up eating uh, that I came to love and uh, also just food that um, really influenced me throughout my career. Um, so either uh, it could be anything from like Mexican food to Indian food to Italian. Because, um, you know, like it's, America is a big melting pot of all flavors and cultures and we kind of really represent that at Jack Rabbit Philly. Um, yeah, and then, you know, Growing up in New York too, just you're you're so exposed to like uh, so many different cuisines and uh, uh, cultures, and you just um, and it just that, that just sticks with you for the rest of your life, you know. This one amazing meal can change like everything, you know. Um, so yeah, that's kind of yeah, that's kind of my background. And, and Corey, how about you? Uh, I grew up in Buffalo, New York, um, and from the time I was like a little girl, I was like this scrawny little thing that couldn't get enough food in her body. Like I've always loved to eat. Um, I became a, a writer, um, though I wasn't published for 15 years is the start of it, but I was always like took restaurant jobs because I could write during the day and then at night I would like go to my restaurant shift. Um, so I met Shui working at a restaurant in the West Village uh, in New York City and uh, kind of knew instantly that that here was like a serious contender. Like you date enough schmoes and you like realize you've got a diamond the second you see it. Ask him when he uh, when he knew that he had he had a good one. Also also right away, clearly. No. Okay. <laughs> now he's changed his tune. He's gotten enough crap for it. Um, but yeah, so we uh, kind of hit it off immediately. Um, Schwai got a very burnout. Um, working in New York, you know, the more, like, the higher up you go in the city, like, the more hours you have, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so we decided to, to take a gamble and go someplace else and visited food-friendly cities, and we ended up here in Charleston uh, to help a friend open his restaurant. And kind of the running joke is that when we got down here and, like, went out for, like, opening night drinks to do a big cheers, uh, he's like, you know, my restaurant's super delayed, right? And we're like, no, no. <laughs> we sold everything we own, and we have a lease on an apartment. So um, it forced us to, uh, to sort of fend for ourselves. So what other than, uh, of course, Wings at Anchor Bar in Buffalo, New York, what, what other food is from Buffalo, New York that kind of still influences you a little? Buffalo has um, a really large Polish community and a really large Italian-American community. So uh, everything from like beef on weck to kielbasa to piragis, which we still run at JF, um, but we just sort of like put Chinese toppings on them. But our veggie dumplings are sort of essentially piragis. Um, and, you know, down to the sort of like like Sicilian-American Italian food. So lots of like red sauce um, sandwiches and pastas and... Um, yeah. uh, Jack... Uh uh, King Barbecue is actually going to be a buffalo bar, um, so we'll be serving uh, wing like buffalo wings and uh, uh, like buffalo style subs and stuff like that. Yeah. And Brandon happens to make a really delicious chunky blue cheese, so we're all very excited about that. <laughs> good. Yes, that is true. And it's a good time to open up a Bills bar with the Bills, you know, up and coming, and you know, finally getting a little bit better. Josh yep. Allen and everything. Brandon, yeah. let's you had a completely different background than Schwai and Corey. <laughs> let's let's talk a little bit about where you're from. Yeah, so uh, I'm from Midland, North Carolina. It's a little small town that's in between Charlotte and Albemarle. 
Um, yeah, so I grew up, I was homeschooled my entire life. I, uh, you know, was able to kind of find my path pretty early on. I knew I loved to cook at 14, so I always knew I wanted to be a chef. So trying to get out of a small town, I moved to Charleston when I was 20, you know, and then basically kind of just chased this dream of wanting to become a chef. Um, but whenever I was younger, I grew up going to Lexington Barbecue and having that Piedmont style barbecue. So my entire career, I was just trying to, like, you know, I want to become a chef and kind of, like, you know, move away from barbecue. But then I moved to Charleston and I started working with Schwai and realizing that, you know, like, he has, like, his strong roots and everything. And going back to his, you know, culture and, like, I realized a full circle moment, like, you know, here we are. I want to start doing more barbecue again. So it's been pretty awesome. So shout out to our buddy Terry Osborne, who almost totaled my car driving into Lexington Barbecue a few years ago. <laughs> um, we, we did a, a huge whole hog tour through the South a few years ago that really opened our eyes to not just being stuck in the Texas bubble that we were stuck in. Um, and we, we came to appreciate the different regional styles of Carolina barbecue, one of which is the Piedmont style that you grew up with. Tell us a little bit about your experience with, you know, the, the red sauce, heavy vinegar-based pork barbecue that you grew up with. Yeah, so I honestly, I thought that that was just, like, growing up eating it, I, you just think that that's normal. That's like every bar. You, you go get barbecue, right? And you just think that, you know, you get your chopped pork, you have the red slaw, you have it on a bun. They just lather this really, like, you know, vinegary, saucy sauce, and you have a little bit of, like, a soggy bun at the bottom. It's, like, so delicious. So I grew up always eating that. Um, and, you know, with, you know, Lexington-style barbecue, like Piedmont, there's also lots of other places like Speedy's, Jimmy's, uh, Barbecue Center, you know. And so I grew up always going to those things, and it was just a, such a staple for me to go out and just have that style of barbecue, and it's, it's been great. I mean, I knew we knew this when we, when we came out and did our trip, our first trip, but it, I, still, I still think it's funny how it's just called barbecue. Yeah. And you can get a barbecue plate, and, and we're like... Yeah, I'd like a barbecue plate, and I would like this and this on it. And it's like, out here, it's just like, it's a barbecue plate. Yeah. Um, because it's, it's such a simple item anyway. It's a single item. But um, it, it's a little bit of a shock as we came from Texas out here, and we're like, oh, this is all you serve. But and it, now we dream of coming out here and, and eating, eating exactly that, that. Yes. barbecue that hasn't been done a thousand times. Like, we're so spoiled first world barbecue problems, <laughs> but whatever. <laughs> T taking it back to you guys get to Charleston, you, you decide you have to pivot to what, what's our business going to be, and so you, you, you start the food truck. What went into that? What was what was the inspiration behind Short Grain? Our souls. Yeah, exactly. Our <laughs> slowly dying souls went into that. Um, well, like, you know, when, when we realized we didn't have jobs, uh, I um, I said to Corey and myself, just like, you know, I, I always work very hard. Uh, there's, I always give 200% wherever I do. Um, so I was like, if I'm going to work that hard, I'm going to work for myself. Um, so, and someone, one of our mutual friends uh, suggested doing a food truck. So, um, so we started this tiny, tiny food truck. It was like a seven by 14 trailer. Just, I, I couldn't even stand up straight in there. Uh, Corey sat on a bucket. Uh, and then uh, we're like, well, my last, uh, last restaurant before I left, uh, before we left New York was a, a Japanese style uh, French ezekaya. So kind of like pub food, Japanese pub food, uh, but like French Canadian. Uh, which I learned a lot about Japanese cuisine there, and you know we served a lot of rice bowls and such. 
it worked super well. So we kind of just that influenced our food truck when we opened. Um, so you know, we made the sashimi bowl, fried chicken bowl, um, and yeah, that uh, I, honestly we did not imagine that food truck short grain to blow up the way it did. Uh, we were just trying to you know do something that we love to do and make a little money and uh, establish a business and. Um, we just kind of, uh, yeah, like we just got noticed because we were doing something so different than what everyone else was doing here. Uh, and it was just back in 2015. And um, yeah, we just kind of blew up. And, you know, we, we always say we got very lucky. Uh, of course, we work hard, but we also think we're gotten very lucky with all the acknowledgements that we have gotten. Um, and uh, yeah, and then did that for uh, two years? Two, two years? Yeah. And, uh, and then uh, I was like, we either need to find a brick and mortar or I'm going to light this food truck on fire because <laughs> uh, I can't stand it anymore. <laughs> what was it? You know, obviously, again, Charleston's a very food-oriented town. I think they're very adventurous. Um, was, it, was it difficult at all to introduce them to this food or did you have to explain it to them as they ordered? Uh, yeah, it was a bit of a journey. Um, right off the bat... We, we know our people immediately. Like, we have a couple that still comes to see us probably, like, once a week into all our special events. But the first, like, two weeks that we were out, they came to every single, like, thing that we were, every single location we went to. And it would be, like, four or five, like, places a week. Um, so there were people that immediately were in for it. And then other people would kind of do the, like, what, you know, like, what's this? Or I don't know what I'm eating, but I like it. Or, or do you guys sell hot dogs? Or, well, there's no real difference between Japanese and Chinese. Any, you know, like you would hear some oh, like very crazy things. Yeah. Um, and we like tried to adapt for a second to sort of something that was like a little more user friendly and then just kind of thought like, screw that. Um, yeah, we wanted to, you know, for, for the longest time, um, we were like, well, let's just sell what sells and make us money. But then we realized that doesn't, you know, especially at, even at Jack Harbor today, it's just that you don't, you know, all these different, there's so much different food out there, especially the Asian culture, uh, between, you know, every single Asian culture there is. Um, they're just, there, there is what you think is Chinese food or Japanese food in the States, and there is uh, actual Chinese or Japanese food uh, in, in the country. Um, and it was just like this struggle that we had where we're like, do we sell things that people know, like, do we sell teriyaki chicken or do we sell something that's completely different? We never really thought about delicious, doing that, by the way. And like, but, you know, have the patience to teach and, and then let people uh, actually teach people about these different cultures and what I can actually bring. Um, so Andrew's taken me like deep into this, this culture. I mean, I, I grew up, you know, things like orange chicken. As you mentioned, like, I didn't yeah. know that wasn't Chinese food. Yeah. You know, well, so, Shai always says, yeah. you know, he didn't see a piece of broccoli till he like, moved to the States. I never had a piece of broccoli till I moved to the States. Broccoli is not a thing in China, guys. I don't know if you guys know this. Um, but, uh, you know, but, you know, there's there's place there's place for uh, American Chinese food. And there is place for Chinese American food. And there is place for Chinese food. Uh, and, you know, I love American Chinese food. I love a good Jana sauce chicken. I love a good, you know, pork fried rice. And there's always room for that. But, there's yeah, there's... But there, you know, there's so much deeper into that, you know, like just like any cuisine, you know, like barbecue is not just barbecue, you know, it's not just smoked meats and all that. And there's so much history behind it as well. So, yeah, this is something that we do every day, just trying to have patience and teach everybody. 
So, so with the food truck, were you guys in a permanent location, or were you going from like different oh, events and all spots? Over the place. Oh my goodness! So, in this I'd, like wide trailer. So I did not drive at all prior to Charleston because you know you live in New York, you don't have to drive. Uh, so when we moved down to Charleston, we we didn't buy an actual truck. We bought a trailer that hitched onto our uh, uh, Toyota Tundra. So I was going from not driving at all to. Um, <laughs> Uh, dragging a 14-foot trailer on a Tundra yeah. and learning how to back it up and learning how to park it. So, yeah, we... Dodging uh, the horse-drawn carriages. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah. No, but seriously, yes. Uh, our first shift that we went out after the service, we packed up, and we used to have a, a, a giant generator attached to the back that swung uh, to detach. We forgot to lock that, so we're on a highway... All of a sudden, I see from my back mirror just this giant generator swing into oncoming traffic. It was the most scariest thing I ever experienced. Yeah. We're very glad to not have that food truck anymore. <laughs> so in your culinary career prior to opening Jackrabbit Philly, had you ever cooked professionally Chinese food, whether it's Chinese-American or traditional Chinese? Or? Uh, not at all, actually. Uh, I, um, you know, I went to culinary school in New York City at a art institute and uh, when I graduated or when I was even in school I thought I would cook uh, I was very into French cuisine I thought I would cook French food and just yeah you know, that's, uh, that's what you do when you graduate culinary exactly school. yeah everyone yeah. wants to cook French food and yeah. you know like and then you know I, I cooked American food for a very long time and uh, and uh, most recently right before we left New York it was again the Japanese French uh, Canadian izakaya uh, so never Chinese food in my career but, you know, like, growing up, just, yeah, again, my grandma raised me when I was a kid in China, uh, so she would cook for me every day. And my mom, you know, cooked for my, uh, my dad and I and my sister every day when I was growing up. So that always stuck with me, but I never, ever uh, cooked it in my career. I just never thought of that. So one of the things, um, you know, you hadn't been cooking this style of food for a while, but it's, it's from nine years old and earlier, it was kind of in that... Was it difficult to kind of recreate those dishes? Did you have to experiment, or did things just kind of pop? Um, you know, like, some of it came natural, just kind of like having had eating this so much in my entire life that you know what flavors are like and what flavor works together. Uh, you know, some of it I would literally call my mom, have her call my grandma, and, like, ask about, like, what, how do you make this dish when I was growing up? Or I was eating, I love eating this when I was growing up. How do I make that? And she would tell me, you know, like any, any grandparents or any moms, you all know, like they don't measure things. They don't really have recipes. Um, so she would tell me these things. I will try to recreate it, but it would just not be as good as she makes it. And still it's not as good as she makes it. And so um, I, I do my best, but yeah, it's never like, uh, like how mom makes it. It came about, though, in a really natural way, which I still love and which we're kind of in the process of doing with King right now. Um, but we quit short grain and started doing a pop-up as we looked for a brick and mortar. And it, the idea for Jackrabbit Philly was originally like a, a spin on an izakaya um, and sort of, you know, carrying short grain through with more like Japanese notes. And as we're doing this pop-up, I just started to cook Chinese food. And we realized that that's the food that we wanted to be serving. That's the food that we eat. That's the food we cook at home. And it just sort of naturally took over and changed the whole concept. Um, and similar, and that's how we met Brandon for the first time. He started working our pop-ups with us. 
um, way back when. But, you know, as we're sort of like planning King now, we started again doing pop-ups while, to like make a little money while we're building out this freaking space. Um, but it's like morphing in a very similar way that, you know, we started with one concept that was very much just mashing things together. And here's our mac and cheese with like a chili tofu sauce on top. And like a couple weeks in, we're like, this is not really us. Um, and it's just becoming, it's just becoming much richer and more creative and inventive because of it. It's super exciting to watch and it's um, really fun to be a part of. So this is a question both for Corey and for Brandon. Corey, what was your experience eating Chinese food or Chinese American food or American Chinese food prior to meeting Shui? And then same question for Brandon after Corey. Oh, zero. Like probably, you know, the standard, the standard sort of Americans. And granted, we're not all the same. We're not all the same, Shui. Um, but no, just American <laughs> Chinese food takeout. Um, so it was like, it was mind blowing. I've gotten to go to China a few times now to see Shui's family back there. And, you know, the it's just, it's just mind-blowing how, like, delicate and flavorful and nuanced and just, like, outrageously delicious the food is. And it's, like, like unlike anything you've had. So sometimes it's a little heartbreaking at the restaurant that we'll try something that is, like, very Chinese and very Beijing, and it just doesn't fly. Um, and it's, you know, it's okay, but it, you, you almost need to, like, have the whole experience of it to be like, ah, I get that. It's, like, so fresh. Um, but sometimes it's, like, not flavor-bomby enough or... Um, yeah, that's all. Something so simple, it seems like, but it, it, was, it was a very, very uh, rich levels of flavor were the greens. I mean, it's something oh, that you, yeah. would, you, know, you would think would be kind of on a, okay, this is greens. This is, and guess what? It was broccoli shui. I know. <laughs> what is bro- you know, for, first time I had Chinese takeout food, it wasn't with my parents because we weren't allowed to eat that at home because my mom thinks it's garbage. But, you know, it's that guilty pleasure. Like, you sneak away and go get Chinese takeout food at my friend's house. Like, this is so good. Broccoli is so good. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, which, I mean, the Chinese takeout for me was, like, the only thing I knew. So, like, I'm from Midland, North Carolina. I was homeschooled. I didn't have a lot. I was not – everything – the world was very big to me. So, I was really lucky that Shui, like, you know, he's like, hey, Brandon, I want you to come to New York. I want you to try some legit Chinese food. And that was, like, also first time going to New York. It was a big experience for me. Um, I remember he took me to Flushing, and we literally just ate the entire day. And, I mean, I'm telling you, it's like the, the char siu bao buns. I, I swear, I, thought I probably ate about four of those in one day. And, just, and he kept taking me to these places. I'm like, my mind just kept being blown. I'm like, oh, my goodness. This is not anything at all like what I grew up eating in Midland, North Carolina, you know. And so I'm just... You weren't having authentic Chinese food in Midland, <laughs> Carolina? Absolutely not. No way at all. Um, so it, just, it, just, it was just... Yeah. Um, it's just super awesome. And then just recently, I was able to go to Schweiz's parents' house, and his mom was able to cook for me. This was just like, like a month ago. And it's like every single time you have these experiences where you're like, oh, my God. Like your like your mind and you know your mind's open to like so much more because the foods her his mom's food is insane. I'm telling you like the best food I've ever had. And I know he would always say that you know, and I was like you know everyone has their tie with her mom makes the best food you know maybe not me but you know but then I had Shwai's mom's food was like oh he's not lying this stuff is insane. Um, Some people's moms use boxed boxed products. Uh, so, yeah you know not everybody yep, okay yep, cooks like not, that. Yeah. Not everyone got that lucky but she, but Shwai's mom's food is. But, my I think mom. she needs to open the next restaurant. Why are we doing <laughs> Yeah, I know, right? You guys now. <laughs> my mom wasn't always good at uh, making, uh, making food. Um, I, when we first moved to the States, 
she used to, uh, uh, once a week, she would make spaghetti uh, with hot dogs and ketchup. <laughs> and she, because she didn't know, she thought that was how they make Italian food. And it, I don't know, it was delicious. <laughs> like, yeah. So uh, when you started cooking, it, you know, you, you obviously, you know, your background, you just it wasn't in Chinese food. <laughs> it was um, not. You had this experience, kind of this mind-blowing experience of what it could be. Mm-hmm. What was it like, like starting to cook it? So, you know, my, my career, I, uh, I, I worked for some barbecue places. You know, I worked for Home Team for a long time. That's here in Charleston, underneath Madison Ruckel, who has uh, Mama Jean's Barbecue. Um, and then I also worked for Edmund's Zost uh, Restaurant and Brewing Company, where I did lots of butchery and charcuterie. So a lot of my background is very, like, hog-based, you know. And so I met Shui, and he literally just, like, you know, he started pouring into me. He's like, hey, man, like, let's, let's, let's start, like, cooking, you know. And so whenever I start, he started doing pop-ups, I told him, I was like, hey, man, I would love to help any way I can. And so he started teaching me th- these things. And it was like trying to break these habits that you learn in regular restaurants, right? So like the flare up in the pan, right? If you did that with, and at the restaurant I used to work at, you had to throw, throw away the whole set. But then I remember having a flare up and Shua's like, no, no, you want that, that's the flavor. And so you, it's almost like to rethink how you cook. And I am so grateful to learn that from Shui. You know, I wouldn't have been able to do that, you know, obviously in Midland, North Carolina. So I'm just super, super grateful for that. Yeah, one, one thing, I mean, we love Charleston. We love coming here. The food scene's amazing. But we haven't seen a whole lot of different types of Asian food in Charleston. And so when you guys, not only with the truck, but now with Jackrabbit, there was, and we talk about this in barbecue sometimes, there's an educational aspect that, that has to go in for the customer where they have to learn that it's, like you said, it's not just beef and broccoli or whatever random dish that they might have eaten growing up. What was that, how has that been trying to get your customers more integrated into what Chinese American cooking is? Um, so we at Jackrabbit call our food yeah, Chinese American food, not Chinese food, not American food, but a mixture of Chinese American because it's never, you know, it's, it's, it's heavily influenced by my mom, my grandma, but it's not traditional whatsoever. Um, so in that sense, it really helps to sell these, uh, sell or introduce uh, dishes that are, you know, straight from Beijing, but not uh, something that everyone's experienced eating Chinese takeout. Um, because, you know, you put an element on the dish that's very familiar to someone with an element that's completely uh, out of their, you know, uh, repertoire. And that familiarity part will, be, will draw them to that dish. Just like, you know, like, for instance, when y'all went in for dinner, you had the, the rice cakes with the, uh, the bolognese. You know, that's like everyone loves a good bolognese. But not everyone's ever had a rice cake. Uh, so, like... They, oh, yeah. I didn't even know what they were called because I called them noodles. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. so yeah. So you know, you, that that's that's a big that's the biggest part uh, uh, that what we do is that trying to. I, I don't want to just make our food so not friendly that people don't want to come to the restaurant. You know, I don't want to make it so out of the ordinary. They're like, oh, you know, I don't want to try that. But you know, so we we add all these elements to our dishes where it's like, oh yeah, I would definitely try that because I know what part of that is, and that's just a good way to teach uh, instead of just like throwing that complete out of the wind, you know? I think also you have very similar style to your mom in the sense that it tastes like home cooking. So you come to us and you get sort of this comforting meal, whether you've had food like it or not before, it tastes like home cooking and there's something just so warming about that. And as far as King goes, I feel like Jackrabbit did all of the hard lifting for King and now people are, they just know us and they're on board and they're just like ready for it. 
So it's, it's a little bit more of a, hey guys, what do we got here? As opposed to what is that? You know, like everybody knows us and um, we're just super excited to put this out there and they're like ready for our flavors, so. What, what is one of the dishes or, or a couple at Jackrabbit Philly that, that you really enjoy cooking and you, you know, some of the special ones that come up and that, that are just some of your favorites? Um, I mean, one of my all-time favorite dishes that's been on the menu the first day is just our, um, our pork and cabbage dumplings. Uh, so that recipe is from my grandma, uh, passed down to my mom, passed down to me. Um, it's been altered a little bit every time um, that's been passed down, but that's just a family traditional recipe. And making dumplings, you know, it's, it's such a family affair in China. I remember growing up in China and... Uh, during especially New Year's, uh, Lunar New Year, that we would sit around the table. Uh, my grandma would roll the dough, and then the rest of us would sit around and just make dumplings. And I always tell everyone at work that, you know, uh, dumplings are like snowflakes. So they're not supposed to be exactly all the same. So if they're different, that's totally fine. Uh, so that's like, that, that hits home for me. And like, it's, it's, every time I have it, it just reminds me of my grandma uh, and my mom. And, um, you know, and, for our jackrabbit fairly too, like we use um, super high quality pork from Holy City Hogs, uh, Tank Chang Jackson, and just like one of our really good friends, and uh, so you know that even elevates that uh, recipe even more because you know back in China, of course, you're not using quality hog, uh, and you know, when we came down to Charleston, we, uh, we used that super fatty uh, uh, hog from Holy City Hogs. So like, it, it, I don't know, just every time you bite into that dumpling, you just have this like, I don't, I have this like this rush of memory in my head going through all the times I had dumplings with my family. We had actually talked about that with, with Hector and Palmera that when you take a bite of the food, you're experiencing all of that history tied into that one bite. And, and one, of the, one of the words that I'm so glad you didn't use at all is fusion, right? That's so overdone and it's so overrated. But like I said, it's Chinese-American and it's got your history in it. And, and every bite was like that. They were, they were unique and powerful bites. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's one of the things that's so exciting about your food, and hopefully, for, you know, obviously for your customers as well, is you can get something different every time you come in, or you can get the staples that remain on the menu. Almost every restaurant that we've ever been to will, will say this. Is, is there at least one item on your menu that you wish you could take off, but the oh customers would revolt? The amount <laughs> that was quick. The amount of chicken that we sell is disgusting. Uh, we uh, have, uh, since the first day we opened, even the pop-up, uh, we had... Uh, this uh, Japanese style fried chicken called Kirage. Uh, we've had that f on the food truck at Short Grain as well. Uh, it was phenomenal, though. Thank you so much. I know. <laughs> it really was. Thank you so much. Get it off away. my menu. <laughs> it's just, it's just, people, like, people love the Kirage, and we sell like a gross amount of it. And until like, and even till this day, I just I can't even look at it anymore. <laughs> like, but you know, it's, it is very delicious. It's just we've been making it for so long. Well, and every know? now and then we we like we don't eat at the restaurant a lot because I always I'm like super cheap, so I'm always like we should just sell the food. We shouldn't be eating our own thing. But every now and then we'll like splurge and like get takeout from Jackrabbit, and like we always order kereage. Like you could be sick of it, but we're like, which one should we get? The hotter regular? Like we I can't help it. It's so good. Well, you you mentioned it earlier too. It's 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 a bit of like a comfort food, and for people that aren't familiar with your menu, it's also there's there's that commonality of it's the a gateway chicken. item to yeah, yeah. to hopefully yeah. get them for more sure. into yes. the more yeah, adventurous this is a gateway drug to jack yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly exactly 
Switching gears to something completely different. Corey, you wrote two books recently? Wow, yes, I did actually. Um, so, right, I always worked um, food and beverage to, you know, support this writing career. And it just so happened that sort of every time Schwein and I open something, um, something happens with like my literary life. So the first day out on the truck, um, I got a call from my agent that I had a, like a mini bidding war on my first book. Um, and when we opened Jackrabbit Philly, it was like right around the pub date of my second book. Um, so I'm hoping with King, I have a third book sort of out in the ethers now. Um, and I feel really, really incredibly proud of this one just because I sort of wrote it during a pandemic and during running this restaurant. I truly thought I was done writing for life because it was just too hard to kind of find that creative headspace. Um, but I didn't. Haha, <laughs> I finished it. So hopefully. And what are, what are these novels about? Um, they're all. Um, so they're all different. Um, the first two are for young adults, so sort of the teenage age, and this one that's going out now is for middle grade, so a little bit younger. Um, but they all have sort of something to do with like science and technology, um, but like thrillers mixed in there. And since this one's for a younger audience, it's, um, it's magic, but the girl really likes science. And it sounds so corny when you talk about what your books are about when you write for children sometimes, but, um, but I love it. It makes me laugh. Like I'll still read through it to do edits and it like has me giggling at parts. And then I tell Shwai how funny I am, and he just, yes, okay. <laughs> yeah, Corey's, I mean, I'm, I'm not a huge, I wasn't a huge, huge reader before I met Corey, but like, she introduced me to the young adult world, and uh, it's just really, it's a lot, if you like, if you want something fun and short and like, really, it's just like a quick read, young adult books are awesome. Uh, and um, Corey's books are really great, cause just because um, they're not, they're not just like, I feel like most young adults, like, boy meets girl, uh, princess this, princess that, or like, a fantasy you know, like werewolf, vampire shit. <laughs> but like, yeah. uh, but Corey's books are just, yeah, you want to embrace that. You know, just girls aren't just all like that. You know, there's there's also like smart scientists and like, they're just like, yeah. Well, it's so always my thing that, you know, like we have that whole like mean girl thing and are we just perpetuating that by continually writing about that? And why can't girls be like adept at adept at life and pretty and smart and it, it doesn't have to be this either or thing that you're always rooting for the girl that would be like pretty if only she took off her glasses you know like I just kind of get sick of all these pigeonholes wait I've that seen that movie uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 John right. movie yeah. 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 exactly so um, so yeah Yeah, my wife who's a very voracious reader doesn't listen to the show doesn't like the hosts um, <laughs> but she, she's literally reading one of your books right now oh. Because she was, you know, oh, what are you doing, Charleston? So I told her, I was like, I was like, actually, I was just reading about something. I was like, one of the owners of one of the restaurants is actually a writer. And so, of course, the first thing she does is start Googling and going on Goodreads and this, that, and the other, and all the other stuff she does. So I'll, I'll, I'll get the whole book report from her when we get back. But yeah, she's literally reading one of your books. Oh, right that's very exciting. Yeah. It's, I know that I also do this other thing, but the restaurant takes up so much of like our time and space. And yeah. um, so I don't pay it as much attention as I probably would like to. So when, like something does come from sort of my book world self. It's always such a joy. Like it just, thank you. Write, it means writing books while operating a restaurant. I'm, that's <laughs> when do you find the time? Like, yeah. I don't relax very well. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not very good at relaxing. Um, so you just you just have to make the time. Um, and there's like a lot of you know a lot of sort of stress and anxiety that goes with some of it too. Or Shwai, you know, has heard the whole spectrum of like I just haven't written this week. Uh, it's an emotional roller coaster. It's, <laughs> it's a roller coaster, but um, but you just I don't know. You get over it, and then you just keep on doing it. 
So well, definitely not STEM related, but I, I think you should write a story about Brandon. Oh God! Growing, growing up in the country the and coming I to the big city. <laughs> There's lots of stories. It might not, it'll be funny for sure. <laughs> it would be there, there might be adult novels and not young adults. Yeah, depends yeah. yeah. on what direction they're gonna go. <laughs> yeah, um, I don't know. It's. I was thinking before too that yeah, Brandon's been with us, um, and we talk about it all the time. Kind of since he was a kid, you know, like he's yeah. been with us for so long at this point that um, it's like watching somebody grow up and watching them. I don't know. Just it's it's very exciting. We're super excited to do this project with Brandon. So, so let's yeah. get into it. Let's get into King Barbecue. Let's Brandon. This is uh, this is going to be you behind the wheel a little bit on the on the CDC side. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I don't know. It's just it's just really awesome to have this moment where it's like you know, your Shrey's invested. Shrey and Corey have invested so much into me as a cook and a chef and everything and. You know, all these trips to New York and all these times of being patient with me while I'm trying to learn being a sous chef, all these things, and then having the moment to where it's like, hey, here's the wheel. Let's do something that's kind of in your wheelhouse where you grew up, you know, and but also with what I've taught you, you know, and what I've exposed you to with like, you know, Chinese barbecue and everything like that. So being able to do this is so awesome and so exciting. And the fact that we keep, you know, pushing the boundaries on everything right you know it's not just the not just salt pepper and smoke you know we're we're adding lots of flavor but also trying to keep the integrity of barbecue so it's it's super super awesome and very very excited well and we had a bunch of different ideas that we were kind of going back and forth with for a while too um, you know, we were going to do a raw bar for a minute and it mm -hmm. kind of, you know, we're looking at all these different spaces. And then, of course, as we're trying to find a space, like three raw bars open up in the neighborhood. Uh, and we knew that Brandon excelled at barbecue and we all had been talking about this idea. And we we're like, you know what? It's that idea. That's that's the one mm -hmm. that we go for. And like B's going to lead it and it's going to be amazing. Um, so, yeah, it's been it's and not easy to find someone. Shwai and I obviously love each other very much. Um, but when you work with us, you see all sides of us, um, you know, and it's, it's a hard business and, and Brandon's sort of stuck by us through like every up and down. And um, so, so yeah. yeah, here's his, here's Brandon. And I mean, I see it and I'm just so grateful for these guys. Like, I mean, like I said, you know, they've poured a lot into me, you know, and the, and I'm just giving back what they've given to me, you know, in a different way. And I'm just, you know, it's just super awesome. So can you give us a little peek of one or two items that you're thinking about for the menu? Because, again... Or 20 or 30, whatever you're Yeah, yeah, I mean, keep going as long as you want, for sure, because it, it, it makes us exciting just hearing about it, too. But, again, this isn't just going to be straight-up Piedmont-style barbecue. This yeah. is going to bring that influence that, that you've learned into barbecue. And if anything, I would say that we're definitely... It's definitely more Chinese barbecue with a hint of Lexington. I would definitely lean that way more than anything. Yeah, I think when we, when we first started the concept or the pop-ups and you know, this is the greatest part about doing pop-ups is trying to figure out what you want to do. Uh, when we first started, you know, we we're doing the chopped pork uh, with the vinegar cue uh, and uh, mustard sauce and some red, and, slaw. Uh, red slaw and all that. And then we we're like, we're just, as more of what we make every pop-up, I was like, this isn't really us. And we, we can make a great product for sure, but uh, what's going to make us stand out? You know, what's going to make, what's going to make King Barbecue so different uh, that it's, it's, it's going to stand out like uh, as a barbecue restaurant amongst all these amazing barbecue restaurants that are already here in Charleston. So, you know, we want to do Chinese barbecue, so we're like, let's just do Chinese barbecue. Um, so interesting enough, you know, 
looking, just doing research on Chinese barbecue. Uh, traditional Cantonese barbecue involves a lot of cooking on coal. Uh, so old school, you know, there was no like uh, gas flames or whatever. So everything was roasted on coal, like your peking duck. What, what is the, the traditional coal, the really hot? Uh, yeah, the, oh, um, Sorry, I don't know what it was we'll, we'll look that up. Yeah, yeah, yeah we'll look it up and insert it into this episode. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, so, um, so, so it's very similar, uh, to, you know, Southern smoking barbecue because you, you, you burn down a lot of wood, you turn it into coal. So it's kind of the same concept. So we're like, yeah, let's just, and like, let's make Chinese barbecue. Let's add a lot of smoke to it where traditionally there is none. Uh, and then kind of just join the two concepts together. Um, so yeah, well, you know, we're going to be roasting whole ducks uh, roasting chicken, but then, you know, we're, uh, biggest part of Chinese, uh, or Chinese barbecue is, um, uh, cha shao, uh, which is, um, as translated to, uh, fork roast. So traditionally you take like pork shoulder, you slice it thin, you marinate it, you stick it on a, uh, like a hook or a fork and you hang it and you roast it on coal. So we're going to do that with our ribs, mm -hmm. uh, you know, adding smoke to that, you know, like a smoky, Chinese barbecue rib, uh, and then uh, Brandon came up with this amazing um, uh, la chan, which is like a, a Chinese style sweet sausage. Usually, it's like dried. Uh, you, you find it a lot in fried rice and sticky rice. And we're like, let's make a let's make a fresh one. Let's make a fresh one. Let's smoke it. Uh, so it's like you know, so it's southern, but it's Chinese, and it's like one of the best sausages that we have ever had. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I swear, my local Chinese restaurant, I think they use Eckridge sausage in their, in their fried rice. <laughs> <laughs> but it's familiar, but yeah, this sounds yeah. a lot better. Yeah. 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 The sausage, I would say, is probably one of my, I don't know, I'm really proud of that one dish. That, I mean, I've been tweaking it for almost like five years when I was in a butcher shop at, you know, Edmonds. And then actually, you know, when I, actually, I was just doing the pop ups with you guys whenever and working at another restaurant. So that's what kind of inspired that. Um, and so then, you know, going back with Shui and all these trips to New York and actually having legit, you know, like Lao Chong and everything like that, I was like, man, this would make a great fresh sausage. And so originally I used to just roast it. And then when King came along, I was like, let's smoke this thing. Let's make this super awesome. Yeah. So very happy with that. And, you know, of course, we're still, uh, we're going to put a chopped pork sandwich on the menu still. Uh, you know, smoked shoulder, chopped. Uh, we make our vinegar cue. We actually make a Szechuan pepper vinegar. Uh, so it's got like a little bit of that tingly Szechuan flavor to it. So like a chopped pork sandwich with Szechuan vinegar cue uh, and still like the red slaw. And um, uh, we make a, must a mustard cue, but we make it with uh, Chinese hot mustard. So it goes like straight in your nose. Uh, yeah, so it's like small good. things like that. So that glad we, you said that because I was going to ask you off air. Please do that. <laughs> yeah. So, so we're like, we're, you know, it's, it's barbecue, but it's got a little bit of Asian uh, flavors in everything. That's like just make it so different just or different enough. We're like, oh. I know mustard cube, but Chinese hot mustard cube is, you know, like a whole different level of mustard, you know? Yeah. And it's great. It definitely wakes you up, you know? Yeah. It's great. One word neither of you have said, and I'm so happy, is brisket. Um, we, we had a really interesting and heartbreaking conversation with Robert Moss last year about the loss of regionality in barbecue mm -hmm. because Instagram and social media drives so much of what you see now in food, and everyone sees the standard Texas metal tray of brisket and pickled red onions and everything fanned out and blah 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 and so people are even in even places like Piedmont area like people are starting to go in and ask these traditional pork barbecue places where's the brisket because there are so many people that are seeing that on Instagram and thinking barbecue has to have XYZ to be barbecue 
And so some of these places are trying to do it, failing at it, both financially and quality-wise, because it's not a meat they're used to cooking. It's an expensive meat that they can't turn a profit on. So we're, we're big fans of stick to what you're passionate about and, and, and don't just throw something on a menu because that's what you think or that's what you know, certain people think it should be on the menu. So thank you for, for not saying the word brisket. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, you know, with, with Brennan being, having grown up eating Piedmont style and like the Lexington style, uh, you know, especially in the Carolinas, you know, we're, we're pork, pork, uh, yeah, we're pork, pork heavy. State. You know, <laughs> we're very pork heavy. Same thing with Chinese barbecue. There's no beef in Chinese barbecue. It's very, very pork heavy and lots of poultry. Mm-hmm. So, like, let's just, yeah, stick to what they're supposed to be, you know? Yeah, and the one thing I love, love, love so much about Chinese barbecue is, like, we're talking about like, the cha shao. Like, it's super sweet, super delicious. And, like, the fact that we're able to have the opportunity to add that originality to some smoke and everything like that is what's, I feel like, you know, taking us to the next level, you know. Um, I'm really proud of our ribs right now that we've been working on. It's been, it's been a lot of, you know, eating ribs every time you make a rack or you go to cut it. I'm eating ribs while it looks over like, it Brandon, are like, you seriously It sounds like eating? they're a bit of a direct heat style, right? So, yeah, so right now we're, we're, we've been actually working out of, uh, from our commissary kitchen, we don't have our smokers yet. So we've been working on, out of this one smoker that's a, a Polish-style smokehouse. Um, but we're still waiting to get our legit smokers. But for right now, we've just been really focusing on the smoke and our sauce and everything like that. But it is funny that, you know, every time... I cut a rack of ribs. I'm trying a rib, and Schwai's like, "Brandon, you got to stop eating the ribs, man." Yeah, we're like, "Oh my God, Brandon, you probably ate like four racks of ribs tonight." <laughs> I was like, "I have to try like, these." I'm just getting bigger, guys. I don't know what's happening. We're like, "It's the ribs." <laughs> it's the ribs, but yeah. So I'm really proud of these ribs. Um, and so basically, for our sauce for our ribs, like you know, Schwai came up with his cha shao sauce, and I then he's like, "Here, here's the sauce," and then I added a couple little elements to it. And it's kind of just like, you know, melding together so, you know, seamlessly, you know. And very what type exciting. of smokers do you eventually plan on using? Uh, so we ordered, uh, we uh, ordered three 1,000-gallon um, um, uh, Lang. Because, uh, you know, their Lang is the OG, you know. Like, so yeah. I just start with something that, uh, that's the OG. And, and, you know, obviously. Reverse uh, flows. So like, yeah, especially yeah. for us, it's such a, I yeah. mean, for me especially, it's such a huge learning process because. I've never cooked a barbecue or anything in, in my life, so... Um, well, especially without brisket. I mean, I mean rever- brisket on reverse flow is a little tricky, mm-hmm. yeah. but it, with the reverse flow, you have the convection heat as well, right. which, like, ribs will come out. You yeah, can do it, killer ribs, and, and the, the quicker cooking items, right. because you'll get the convection, so you get a nice crispy texture, too. Right. Exactly. Yeah, it really does help with bark development. Yeah, yeah. That's one of the things that we've seen with... There's not many in Texas using reverse flow smokers, but there's one, some of our favorite people in barbecue are out in West Texas, and the guy never cooked Texas barbecue before, which is why his stuff is so unique. He built the pits himself. He just built what made sense to him, so they were reverse flow pits. And, and it does lend a unique flavor profile to his meat that you don't see in just your traditional offset barbecue cooking. Yeah, and I will say, like, you know, from my, you know, barbecue background, I, I was taught on some langs. So it's a little bit familiar for me. And also super grateful for the guys at uh, Lawrence Barbecue. They, they use langs, and I was able to go spend some time with them last year, and they taught me a lot and taught me some tricks of the trade with it. So I was going to say, they take a bit to dial in. Um, mm-hmm. because, do they have the adjustable heat plates as well? There's heat plates yeah. as well, yeah, and I think that's going to be really great for, you know, like, it, they get pretty warm, and so, like, we, a lot of our stuff's, like, you know, a little bit higher temp, a little bit quicker when it comes to smoking, right? So, like, you know, 
traditionally when you do uh, Lexington Piedmont style barbecue, you notice it's like under, there's coals underneath it. It's not going for it's going for closer to like you know if I would say probably like 10, 12 hours, you know. So like faster cooking times, try to get that crispy skin. So we're I think we'll be able to, you know, do some of that stuff with the langs, you know, um, and as well like with the ribs, you know, they they do yeah. great on langs. Yeah. And I guess one of the questions that we always ask people, when you have a successful restaurant, you've gone through the trials and tribulations that everyone's gone through in hospitality the last few years, why the hell are you doing another restaurant? <laughs> uh, great question. We ask ourselves that all the time. Um, you know, uh, we, we opened Jackrabbit because we outgrew truck rain and we want to do more because, uh, you know, there's, there's so much more we can do and share with people. So we opened Jackrabbit. And when we hired all these wonderful people like Brandon, uh, you want them. You, we, you want them to grow, you know. And then having one restaurant, people can only grow so much. So we're like, we have to open a second restaurant, <laughs> so our employees have somewhere else to grow. Honestly, like Corey, Corey and I did not get into this industry for money at all. Uh, we don't care about making money. Which is, uh, I mean, and uh, you know, we just want our people to be taken care of well, and for them to have a better future. And um, and that's pretty much how. The second restaurant came about, you know, either it would have, you know, it's King or the uh, Raw Bar that we thought about or the Dive Bar we thought about. Like, all these different things are just ways to, for our people to grow. And that's, yeah, that's the biggest reason why King came to be, you know. Yep. <laughs> so let's talk real quick about, about the name King Barbecue because there's a connection to that as well. So explain King Barbecue. Me? Okay. Well, <laughs> so our last name is Juan, and we thought it would be fun to do um, something. You know, all the barbecue pitmasters, they kind of name their restaurants after themselves. Um, but our last name gets mispronounced a little bit, so we didn't necessarily want to open up Wang's Barbecue. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, inappropriate. <laughs> but, but Juan means king because... Um, yeah, so in Chinese, uh, Chinese writing, uh, Juan, the way it's written... Uh, is the exact copy of a uh, the forehead of a tiger, like the print uh, or the patterns of forehead of a tiger, uh, and that's the king of the jungle. Um, so, and the wall literally translated to king. Um, so I was like, yeah, let's just call it King Barbecue. That makes sense. And, and yes, it, after how many different barbecue people we've talked to that are like, yeah, no one can pronounce our names right, and, and they're constantly having to correct them. That was probably the smartest move. It you solves, you solves that problem entirely. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, exactly. So let's talk a little bit about barbecue that you've eaten around that, that's kind of interesting. you. I, I don't know if you guys have been to Texas yet or not, but, but around this area, like, what kind of barbecue, like, turns you guys on? Um, some of our, I mean, there's so many good places here. I mean, there's, and then there's, like, places that's been here forever, you know, like Bessinger's and such. And um, uh, obviously, John Lewis makes a great barbecue down here uh, and then uh, we also love Swig and Swine Swig and Swine is delicious home team you know home team is just uh, home teams I feel like it's really great barbecue but it's also like a different like a really great vibe you know it's, I feel like most um, Brandon could talk about this too like most barbecue restaurants especially up uh, in, uh, up in Lexington area like it's sometimes it's just a shack you know yeah. sometimes it's just a shack or like like a little smoker and like all they do is, is, like you say, you go in there, they have one barbecue plate, and that's it. Yep. But home team brings, like, a whole nother level of, like, hanging out and, like, their nachos and their wings. That's, like, something that I've never experienced with barbecue before, especially coming from New York City where there's zero barbecue, before, you know, when I was growing up there. 
And a little uh, karaoke sometimes there too. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. So we, we have seen some interesting karaoke at home team barbecue, but we won't we won't get into that. That was an after party that show. Our name was same. And uh, you know, like Martin's uh, is amazing as well. Um, yeah, like yeah, I mean, I li- I like Rodney Scott's. I mean, yeah, Rodney's the first place ever at Whole Hog. Yeah, it's very great. They have great ribs. I mean, um, but also like for me, like like just recently I went back home and saw my best friend and went up to Lexington. I went to Barbecue Center, and it's just, it's just so, it, you know, I love that stuff so much. I, I'll never forget, I'm sitting there, and, you know, I, I wanted some extra, like, barbecue sauce, and I look over, and I'm sitting at the table, and I just ask for barbecue sauce, and I just see them grab a coffee, you know, kettle, and they keep that warm red right in that little, like, coffee, <laughs> coffee kettle, and they pour it, and they bring it to the table, and I was like, man, I never saw that when I was growing up. I never even thought about that. Um, so, like, Barbecue Center is great, but here in Charleston, yeah, I, I love Rodney's... Um, Martin's super great stuff. Yeah, and then uh, uh, Heirloom Barbecue. Oh, Heirloom uh, Market in uh, in Atlanta. Yeah, Atlanta. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, just uh, the Korean flavors in that is, uh, their fried rib tips were insanely good. I've never had anything like that. Yeah. Yeah, Heirloom actually uses pits from Houston. Pitmaker uh, pits from Houston. Been I've been to Heirloom a few times. Really good. And then I still think of like the place that we went for that. That duck, that roast duck, and just flushing queens. Oh yeah, that was so. So good. like talking about sort of barbecue and then bringing it back to like Chinese barbecue. You know that we're all standing there like listening with like duck fat as we're eating this <laughs> yeah, like in a little street, lobby, York, yeah. right? Like it was so good. Um, and yeah, I don't know what that place is called, but East Buffet. And yeah. you guys got to do something pretty darn cool recently. Um, you got to go to a place we haven't even been to yet. And that's in Connecticut, and that's with the uh, the Hoodoo Brown folks. Oh, my God. How do we leave out Hoodoo Brown? <laughs> yes, we love those guys. Hoodoo Brown has um, some of the best pork belly I ever had. Um, yeah, so good. That crispy pork that crispy belly. skin. Oh um, and those guys, uh, uh, that's just the sweetest people in the whole entire world. Uh, it's so funny, like, you know, like, there is the culinary world and, and, you know, kitchens like Jack R. Philly or, like, you know, Fig and all these big restaurants. And then there's the barbecue world. And it's a whole different, whole different vibe. vibe. Yeah, it's like this. It's just a bunch of guys hanging out and smoking meat, and, and they're just every one of them is just the nicest person in the whole entire world. And it's so welcoming too. That's what I love about the barbecue community. Uh, and it's like also like Tyler, the guy that makes the the sausage king. Let me tell you, he, it was so awesome to do oh, a God. collaboration sausage with him. I mean, we had been talking about it for a while yeah, too. And, and, sorry, and Lawrence barbecue is amazing too. Oh and yeah, Lawrence. Lawrence does some. Lauren's probably, um, honestly, like, of all the barbecues I've ever had, some of the most creative stuff. Yeah. You know, he's, it's his size and his, his different takes on, uh, on barbecue is very, very cool. Yeah. Yeah, we got to go to, I mean, we've eaten the, the pork belly from Hoodoo at different events and things like that. Haven't gotten to the restaurant yet, but when, when Cody did his, his belly tour around America, you know, we, we got to have it a couple of different times. Yeah. Yeah. Around around the Houston and around the Texas area, and shout yes, shout out to Tyler Hodge, the uh, sausage king oh, of yeah. Connecticut. Although, Tyler's a buddy of ours, even though I keep telling him to stop putting noodles in sausage. Um, <laughs> we are anti noodles and sausage. He knows it, but he keeps doing it. Yes, but he's the king. So what can we say? He's the king yeah, of Connecticut. Exactly. Um, so is there is there a bucket list barbecue joint anywhere in the world that is on your list to visit? And we'll just do one each. So yeah. there's or a couple. A- there's a place that I want to take Brandon to that we went to in um, in Shanghai when we were in China. We got deported from Japan because we didn't know Shui had to have a visa back when he was still a Chinese citizen. Um, and we ended up taking this side trip. 
And like it was like the best char siu I've ever ever had in my life, and I still dream about that. That would be like a bucket list that the three of us could like go there, and you could like taste it. It was like crystally sugar and crispy, and oh, it's so good. I would love to do that. <laughs> yeah, there. Uh, I have, I have a whole map saved in my uh, Google uh, Google Maps, and there's so many. Um, uh, I think my biggest one I really want to go to is snow. Yeah, you know that, that's that's old school, old school. You know, she's been doing it for forever. You know, and that's like she's like that's something I really, really want to go hit up. You know, I'm right there with you. Snows was like on the top of my list. I've always wanted to try that. You know, and it's just it is like original and great. So I really want to try that. One one of the great things about Snows is also the location is is a meeting place, and so there's a vibe when you get there of everybody just having such a great time because. You've got people literally now from all over the world, but you get people from Dallas, Houston, and Austin all going to Snows on a Saturday morning. You're all there. You're all hanging out. And so, like, there's this excitement in general of the audience, plus the food is good on top of that, too. It's great. Yeah, and, I mean, last time we were there, I guess a month or two ago, we were eating next to some people from Finland. And, like, it's just it's crazy that this little tiny place in this little tiny town in Texas has now people coming from all over the globe going to it. And, and it's such a pure form of barbecue. It's just, you know, some people out in the country on a Saturday morning cooking, direct, you know, mostly well, partially direct heat, partially offset barbecue. But it's just one of those experiences that if you tried, you couldn't replicate it. So that's, yeah. that's what makes it so fun for nerds like us that go around doing this stuff is, is to find those little hole-in-the-wall places because they're as fun and in a totally different way from, from the home teams of the world and the Lawrence barbecues that, that do the creative, amazing food. Yeah, and that's, that's kind of why we geek out about barbecue and, and food in general is you can have such varied experiences of it. You can have the super creative stuff. You can have, there are so many people bringing different cultures into, into Texas barbecue now. That's exciting for us. And then you can just have the, the old school place that you eat on the hood of your car. You know, and that's, those are some of our favorite experiences. But, but that's, that's one of the reasons that we're excited for what you guys are doing is it, it comes from a pure place and it's going to be creative and it's kind of tying into everything that we love about barbecue in general. Yeah, it's really awesome. I, I'm, I'm super grateful to have this opportunity to you know, grow this and like push the, push the limits on barbecue and do something different. It's fun. And and for anybody listening, we're we're talking uh, Jackrabbit Philly and their new barbecue restaurant, King Barbecue. Um, where is King Barbecue going to be located? So it's off of Rivers, still in uh, North Charleston, off of Rivers on a little side street called Carver, um, more in sort of the Reynolds Avenue area. Yeah, we we just we. We, uh, you know, Jackrabbit is in Park Circle, and we, we love this neighborhood, you know. We never wanted to be downtown. We didn't want to do the tourists and the, the craziness, and we just wanted to open a mom, mom and pop shop. So, you know, Jackrabbit is there, and King will also be here because we want to see this neighborhood to grow for sure. Thank what? you guys so much for, for taking the time. Thank you to Charleston Wine and Food and the Culinary Village for having us out here. We're so excited to see what King Barbecue is going to keep growing into. Thank you. Get to Jackrabbit Philly if you haven't been to Jackrabbit Philly. Like, holy moly. Eat the whole menu. Eat the entire menu, the menu, even if you're going to an event like an hour later. Um, but, but yeah, congratulations, guys. Thank the food so is much. amazing. Appreciate it. And, and it's great to see you guys grow. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Truly Thank a you. pleasure. This is, a, this is awesome nice, to be here. Very nice to be here.